Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul, and it's the 12th day of March. Thank you for joining me as uh, it is the Lord's Day, and I hope that you are celebrating that with your your friends and your family in Christ. And uh, I, I think that there is something to be said for the power of community. Uh, we just a few weeks ago did a one of our Ephesians lessons, and we brought out the fact that in both Ephesians and Hebrews, there's a connection between our bold approach to the throne through Christ and the church or the assembly. They're, they're connected. In other words, the author talks about the church or the assembly in the same breath that he talks about bold approach to the throne, which tells me that front and you know, sort of first and foremost on the minds of those writers are in community, there's a there is an approach to Christ that is unique. And I don't think you can fully explain that until you experience it in community. And I hope that you have that. And if you don't, I'm praying that you will be able to find that, that you'll be led of the Spirit into community or to start community or however it looks for you that you'll find a place and a way to celebrate Jesus with someone else. Well, we are in Mark chapter 5. Yesterday, we introduced the sermon you could look for on your podcast today called Repent, Refresh, and Restore. Go look for that. I hope you enjoy it. It's available wherever you get this podcast. The video is also available at our website or at PWM, which is our YouTube page. And we introduced the Gadarenes yesterday. Jesus has crossed the, the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. He's went into this, to the land of the Gadarenes, and as we explained there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anxiety in his disciples at approaching. Now, can you imagine all the fear and anxiety they have about going to the gatherings? They just come out of this crazy storm. They're still wondering if they should even be here. And this happens. I want to read part of verse 2, 3, all of 2 and 3 and part of verse 4. In fact, let's just read all of 2, 3 and 4. Listen to this. Imagine this is, ex- this is the first thing that happens when they get to the gatherings. And when he had come out of the boat... Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwellings among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. The the original Greek adds no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Now, I want you to imagine that that's the first thing you see when you get off the boat with Jesus is this man, this young man. We, we can take this and couple this with Matthew 8 and Luke 8's version of this story. Uh, this must have been a really big moment for this, this many of the biographers to talk about it. But we know he's a young man and he has an unclean spirit and it's gotten worse. It started out to where they could chain him and shackle him. In other words, they could control him. But whatever's going on inside of him has gotten worse to the point that he's moved into the tombs. Now, for a Jewish audience, moving into the tombs has prophetic precedent. I want to take you back to Isaiah 65. And this is a passage that incorporates the Gentile and the Jew or those outside the covenant with those inside the covenant. Listen, beginning in verse 1. This is God talking. I was sought by those who did not ask for me. 
I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. Now, this could very well be the entire corpus of the Gentile world that had ever called on God. We know that Gentiles called on God. It's how Cornelius finds God in Acts 10, and God sends Peter to preach Jesus. This is a guy that's calling out to God. And so God is saying, I've been sought by people. I've been found by those that were not my nation. And then verse 2, it seems as if God contrasts that with a different kind of people. I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts, a people who provoke me to anger continually to my face, who sacrifice in gardens and burn incense on altars of brick, who sit among the graves and spend the night in the tombs, who eat swine's flesh and the broth of abominable things is in their vessels. Now, Two and three sounds a lot like how God treats Israel and Judah. He wants them. They rebel. They do their own thing. They continually provoke him. Four, uh, oh, and also sacrificing gardens and burn incense on altars of brick is a heathen thing to do. They don't have sacrifices in gardens and use altars of brick. But verse four sounds like the Gadarene demoniac. Let me reread it. They sit among the graves, they spend the night in the tombs, they eat swine's flesh and the broth of abominable things in their vessels. Now, we don't know if the Gadarene demoniac eats swine's flesh, but he's in a country where the swine are going to run over the edge of the cliff. So, first things first is they see this young man out of his mind, maybe remnants of chains on his ankles and his wrists, blood probably from tearing the skin. Um, He's ravenous. And they know that he lives among the tombs in the caves. And in their own scripture, that is indicative of someone who is about to be under God's righteous judgment. It's also indicative of a people who have rebelled against God and went astray. And so their fears might be confirmed, but they also might see something deeply spiritual in this Gadarene demoniac in that he represents something far bigger. I think at least that's the way we're supposed to take it, since the description of this young man exists in the Old Testament, and then it's lived out in Mark 5, we are to assume that there's a deeper lesson. And that that deep lesson um, has to do with our treatment of God and God's treatment of us and our treatment of each other. And that's how Jesus is going to approach this demoniac, deal with the issue inside so he can deal with the young man himself. Because you know where this story goes. This is one of those that are quite popular. But as we work our way through it, I hope we can be able to find some things in it uh, that are relevant for us. For instance, whatever binds this young man and, and hurts him isn't getting better, it's getting worse. This is a sign that whatever is going on on the inside that chains us and shackles us and makes us afraid will push us to isolation and will not get better but get worse. Tomorrow I want to talk about the tombs and the isolation because they are crucial to the understanding of this young man. And we're going to start to compare him 
to the young woman that comes up later in the chapter as well. This is going to be quite a journey. We'll have a great week together in this. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.